Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, and it's great to be with you on this Saturday morning, whether you're at the workplace or just kicking around home. With me on my left is Jim Shorty. Now, that pause was because I didn't, you know, I couldn't think of your name. That wasn't it. Um, I'm this, just. This, I'm, this is not a bear walks into a bar joke, right? No. Okay. The, the rabbi, the priest, no, and why, the minister. Why, why, why the big pause? No, I'm just, uh, I'm uh, grateful to see you, Jim. I'm not quite myself. Um, normally, I am hardy as a horse, but ladies and gentle people, Wednesday night, I lost my voice. And I can't recount and in modern history as an adult that's when unusual. that's happened. And so I could not, I could speak in a whisper, and all the uh, suggestions on the internet said, don't try that. So I basically... Mm -hmm. Uh, medicated myself and rested, and uh, so it came back partially Thursday, better yesterday, and then today, this is what we're left with. So it sounds like I'm holding my nose together <laughs> a bit nasally, but we're just going to have to run with that. Well, that was a cataclysmic cosmic event, Scott Colborn not being able to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, folks, our hearts and minds go out to all those in Nebraska and Iowa uh, that have suffered the ravages of the incredible 100-year, mm -hmm. 1,000-year event, the, the huge flood. Um, we have, um, without exception, I think, almost every single county in Nebraska uh, requesting emergency assistance. Um, the Colborn family is doing fine. How about the Shorneys? Uh, we're just fine. Uh, my cousin in Columbus stayed high and dry, fortunately. She was about four blocks away from the water. Uh, my my hometown of Plattsmouth was sandbagging the underpass under the railroad tracks to keep water from reaching Main Street, yeah. which would, would be a rare event. We had uh, towns like uh, Fremont, uh, mm -hmm. Seward, Columbus, Seward. Uh, towns that were totally cut yeah, off. Yeah. And the folks up north, there have been so many dams uh, broken and bridges busted up. I saw a picture of a state trooper standing in a field in front of these massive wedges of ice mm -hmm. that came from the Niobrara River. And um, that pile of ice is probably easily a story and a half to almost two stories tall. I don't know how many yeah. thousands of pounds those represent, but when you've got that much ice in a river, um, the metal that we put out there for bridges and things doesn't doesn't do very well. The the folks up in uh, Hanson's Lake, which is one of my stomping grounds from when I was a teenager, they were told that they didn't need flood insurance because they were not in a floodplain, and people have lived there for decades and never been flooded. Well, I guess, surprise, what are they going to do now? So we, uh, there's a number of ways you can be of assistance. Um, certainly the American Red Cross is a great, great organization that I've donated and so many of my friends and colleagues have. Uh, trucks are at various places in Lincoln mm -hmm. loading up supplies to be driven up north to the places that really need them. So although, uh, folks, that you and I can't be there physically, there's a number of things that we can do. Uh, to help those in need. And we do this because we are Nebraskans, and that's what we do. Right. Check your local media. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim Shorney, and our next guest always 
is a delight to talk to. This is Charlene from the Capital Humane Society. Hi, Charlene. Hi, I'm glad you have your voice back. Yeah, that was touch and go for a while. <laughs> yes, so yeah. am I. I'd be doing the show if it wasn't for that. <laughs> I, I have my bag of Ricola cough drops. I have my own personal uh, 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 Kleenex box, so mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. Hey, Good. T- tell me how you're doing. I'm doing great. Thank you very much. What's new with the Capital Humane Society? Uh, we have great animals available for adoption. We have our Tails and Trails Pet Walk coming up May 18th, and you can learn all about it and register by going to our website at capitalhumanesociety.org. Um, so we are always excited about that event, and it's a great way to support our important work. So are you guys seeing an influx of pets from uh, displaced by the flooding? We are not. We have reached out to other agencies to let them know we are available if mm-hmm. they need us. Um, however, they have it under control. So, um, you know, we certainly encourage, like you do, Scott, for people uh, to do what they can to help. I know there are um, locations where they're stuffing trucks and taking those um, items to the areas in need. So um, we can all come together and help the people that were affected by this. God bless us all. Uh, This is Charlene with the Capital Humane Society, and I've just dialed up capitalhumanesociety.org as can you. And we're going to start with cats and kittens for adoption. Here we go. Okay, we'll start with Flyer, (laughs) and he's a cutie pie, a fluffy guy that has medium-length fur, about two years old, very cute, very fun, (laughs) ready to purr and a play in a great new home. Yeah, sure. Looks like he's ready to fly. Uh huh. <laughs> well, just just to be clear, this cat does not have wings. I don't think so. I don't think but so. a very okay. fluffy tail. <laughs> yeah, that's a neat tail. Great cat. Flyer waits for you. Flyer is joined by Ben, and Ben is very bright. He is a one-year-old neutered male, all black, domestic, short hair. Loves toys, any sort of toy, and he's having fun. So if you're looking for an entertaining companion, Ben may be perfect for you. And I remind folks that Ben spelled backwards is the old, uh, an acronym, the abbreviation for Nebraska, N-E-B. Yeah. So we've got Flyer, Ben, and... Next up is Mickey. And Mickey is a cutie. She's a six-year-old spade female, has tabby markings, maybe a little calico going on there, just really pretty striking. Uh, She's ready to come out and say hello to the perfect family. Uh, We hope somebody will stop by our Pylock Pet Adoption Center today and see if Mickey is just right for them. Uh, What a regal-looking pose. Very pretty, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mickey. Mickey. Okay, hours open today and tomorrow for Flyer, Ben, and Mickey. We will be open at our Pylock Pet Adoption Center today and tomorrow from 11 to 5.30. This is Charlene with the Capital Humane Society, and I'm Scott Colborn. We've just been joined by Colleen. Colleen, good morning. Good morning. Jim Shorty and Charlene's got dogs for adoption open for us. We are going to look at Smooch. Smooch is an eight-month-old space female Jack Russell Dachshund mix. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, full of energy. You can see her tail is a blur, and that's because she just goes and goes, and that tail wags wildly. Um, It says that she has more energy than the energy bunny, so she's 
she she needs a family that likes to have fun, that's active, and will play with her and provide her with plenty of exercise and training. Um, so if you are looking for a young, enthusiastic dog, ask about Smooch. Okay, Smooch is joined by... Next up is Poncho. <laughs> <laughs> and Poncho is very cute. A little guy, a chihuahua, about five years old, um, sweet, young, a lot of fun, um, looking for a home with no other dogs. He wants to be your one and only canine companion, um, but he is a lot of fun and, again, super cute. So if chihuahuas are your favorite, you might want to ask about Poncho. A uh, great song that a uh, number of people have done it. I like the Willie Nelson version, Poncho and Lefty. <laughs> so if your name is Lefty, this is the dog for you. Yep, Poncho <laughs> is looking for Lefty. Okay, our third dog is? Next up is Anne Marie, and she is as sweet as her picture shows her. She's kind of a golden lab terrier mix, five years old, about 52 pounds, so about a medium-sized dog. Really loves attention, loves people. She also is looking to be your one and only dog, though, so she wants a canine-free home. Uh, but if you are looking for a sweet and smart companion, ask about Anne-Marie. She looks kind of like a mini lab. Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to call uh, Jim and Colleen an audible. And after I do this intro, I'm pointing to the screen here, if you guys will look. I'm going to have you say that dog's name twice. Ready? Okay, let me do the intro. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Louie, Louie. <laughs> there we go. I'm sorry, I just had to. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. And Louie is a sweetheart. He is a Cocker Spaniel, and I know that's yep. a favorite breed of a lot of people. Mm -hmm, yep. He's about six years old, very sweet, looking for a home without dogs or kids, but he knows there is a perfect family for him out there, and maybe it is one of the listeners today. So Louie wants to be the top dog. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Louie, Louie. Oh, baby, now we got to go. Okay, Spooch, Poncho, Anne-Marie, and Louie. Bum, 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 bum. These dogs were available for personal uh, conversations. So, uh, some of them may talk back to you. Uh, you can go out and see them today and tomorrow. Here's Charlene with Hours Open. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30. So what are you doing for the rest of the day or the rest of the weekend? I will be here working today. We have a volunteer orientation coming up, so getting to meet a lot of new people who want to help. And tomorrow we have some family coming to town, so I've got some big cooking plans. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Shirley, uh, all the best to you and the staff. Thank you so much for our relationship. Thank you for all you do. Shirley and friends at the Capital Humane Society make them the first place you go when you'd want to uh, walk in whistling that tune. Dun, 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 dun. So the American version of that, the dun, 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 that chord right there is called the fifth chord. It's a one, four, five. Mm -hmm. The American version, a lot of people played that as a major chord, but a lot of the British bands played it as a minor. And once mm. they started doing that, I've never gone back. I like that that fifth chord is a minor chord. So your musical trivia from Scott Colborn. All you guitar <laughs> players out there, and you other musicians, keyboards, etc. And I just I just saw a recent in concert video on on PBS with the Kingsmen still performing together, and uh, it sounded good. 
Dave Barry, the humorist, wrote an incredible column. He said that he was a boy and he was out doing sandlot basketball. And this is actually on top of gravel and dirt clods, and there's a hoop, you know, someplace. And they had a little transistor radio. Now, Jim's old enough to remember what those things were yes. like. They were about the pack of, uh, size of a pack of cigarettes. Like a, shirt, a shirt pocket radio, and, yeah. Uh, and that, was, that was quite the innovation at the, t- at the time. About the f- fidelity that you'd expect. And yeah. So one of these was parked on top of a tree stump. And the local station had just gotten this record called Louie Louie, and they played it. And Dave said that all of a sudden, he lost track of where he was, and his foot was just stomping into the gravel on the ground in, in time with a, and he was just getting into it. <laughs> and then suddenly he came to the realization of what he was doing, playing basketball, and he looked, and his friends were looking at him horrified like he was having some sort of spasm. <laughs> <laughs> he was going over the edge. Possessed by that devil music. Yep. So, yeah. Um, oh, memories. <laughs> so we've got uh, a great show for you today. Um, Rosemary Ellen Guiley would have been here with us, but she is actually involved in an assignment and gives everybody her best. Uh, she, she certainly wouldn't give you her worst. Um, That's a fact. I, I have a... Um, Great deal of respect for Rosemary and a huge, huge thank you to her and to Shelley from Canada. These two women realized that a while back we were getting low on prepaid phone cards. And it's how we call our guests every week worldwide. And we've got thousands of people that benefit that, that can hear the, the guests. So without colluding, Rosemary and Shelley from Canada, they both gave us not one, but multiple. They gave us each a handful of these prepaid phone cards. And so, um, what a wonderful thing. That's really something when a guest contributes to the show like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I wished I would have copied her remarks, but she said that she enjoys being a part of the program and, and appreciates what we do. Mm-hmm. And it goes right back to you, Rosemary. Yeah. We appreciate what you do as well. Absolutely. And to Shelly from Canada. She's been a longtime supporter. We love you, Shelly and a donator of those cards. So we don't, even though Zaptel just had a weekend sale, we don't need any prepaid cards right now because we're in good shape. So we've got um, our main guest coming up, Tannis Hellowell. You know, if I let my voice just kind of go a little bit higher, I could probably break into a falsetto there. Dad, <laughs> don't try it. Tannis Hellowell is the author of a, a whole bunch of books. And she was last on the show with hybrids, So You Think You Are Human. Well, she's got a brand new book called The High Beings of Hawaii. And this is not individuals that are stoned or smoking some of that Hawaiian weed. Or somebody at the top of the volcano. No, this is the, the High Beings of Hawaii Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. Cool. And it reads uh, like a Indiana Jones mystical travelogue, and it's it's a lot of fun. And so we'll be talking with Tannis today about that book and about uh, the background for that. Let's see, we've got um, the shows that she's been on before because there's a lot of interest uh, in her topics. She is not afraid to go into areas where their people roll their eyes and raise their eyebrows. She did a show with us back in uh, 2005 
based on the book Summer with the Leprechauns. That's right, folks. You heard me say that voice, that, that, that uh, descriptor, Leprechauns. Uh, back in 2013, she was with us with a follow-up book, Pilgrimage with the Leprechauns. So she's been to Ireland a number of times. She's formed a relationship with some of the we people. And I'm going to be really respectful of them uh, because um, I also believe. Uh, 2016, she was with us with hybrids, so you think you were human. And then back in 2016, we had more leprechaun conversations. So all those links went out today to uh, the people on my email list. We've also posted those on the Exploring Unexplained Phenomena Facebook page. What's that page? It's Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. And so there's going to be a lot of weekend listing for you there. If you want to hear about real-life adventures with the little people or the wee people, check these programs out. They, They are really something. So years ago, I had a gentleman that uh, right after the show with Tannis Hellowell, he called me here in the studio and he said, Scott, I also believe. It was about 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning. I was not drunk or stoned. And I was driving on O Street past Wyuka Cemetery at 40th and O Streets. And he said he had to bring his car to a full stop to allow a procession of little people that were 18 to 24 inches in height to casually walk across O Street and slip between the, the uh, fence in Wayuka and walk into the cemetery. And he said, I just heard your yesterday, and I also believe. So wow. We can have these experiences, folks. We don't have to go to Ireland. Um, there's an old Zen saying that I think is very appropriate. If you think so, so. If you think not so, not so. So stay open, keep your mind open. The caution would be, as Andrew Neer says, not so open that your brains fall out. Jim Shorney, don't look at me like that. <laughs> just, just a little concerned about your voice there, Scott. That's all. Don't Speaking worry. of which, why don't you take the microphone? So, Colleen, what's new with you today? Uh, <clears throat> My voice is trying to break, too. <laughs> um, nothing much, really. Um, we, I cleaned out the bathroom this morning. Because <laughs> <laughs> we have our cat litter, or my cat's cat litter in, in the bathroom, and we have to sweep it every now and then because some of the litter gets sure. out, and then it irritates your skin. So it's just like, just got to do some sweeping and some mopping, and then you're done. And then he goes in there and makes a mess again. <laughs> He's a, he's a funny cat. Can you, can yes. you, do you have more than one cat? We had, just have one. Okay, what's his name? His name is Machbia, which means... I should have asked you permission yeah. to, to tell us his name, because sometimes people don't want us to know pets' names. So. Yeah, I don't mind sharing it. It's, it's, it, uh, it means cloud in general, or mm. gray skies, or you know something along the line of clouds. We just mm-hmm. say cloud, but Machbia has so many different meanings in Lakota, so... Uh, speaking of uh, Omaha and Lakota, mm-hmm. um, uh, we had talked before you got here today, mm-hmm. Colleen, about the uh, the devastation of the flood. Mm-hmm. And do you have any relatives or friends that are uh, have been in jeopardy or affected by the flood? 
Um, in terms of Macy, I think everybody's doing pretty well. Because um, Macy, as you might, as you as you guys probably know, is that it's very hilly. Mm-hmm. So um, there might be some threats to people who live in the down bottom area, which is right by the Missouri. But other than that, they should be fine so long as they're yeah. able to access Lake Sioux City or Winnebago. They, they might have a mess to clean up at the park, though. Yeah, the park. Yeah, the park is always getting low, flooded. Much, a yeah. lot of lowland. Yeah. Because the the last time it flooded um, in 2011, when we were evacuated with my grandmother, it's like you could you could just see you could, like you could just go along the road that's down there. Just, just half, not halfway down, like a quarter way down that road that leads to the park, mm-hmm. and that was just filled with water. And, you, yeah. and before, before you could go a long ways well, down. I, so. I can imagine. I've I've been to that area, and where I grew up in Plattsmouth kind of has a similar mm-hmm. similar geography, and uh, the the river bottom down by Plattsmouth floods just about every year to some degree. That's normal. Mm-hmm. So, so when you select a place to live, always choose high ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and in terms of uh, in terms of Pine Ridge, I think right now they're dealing more with snow than with yeah. flooding. Um, yeah. My dad, my dad actually had to bust his way out of the, the, yeah, the roads because of the snow drifts. That's the flip side of that whole thing. Is Western <laughs> Nebraska had blizzard conditions? Yeah. And uh, to the point where you were seeing pictures of animals buried in the snow, uh, I saw a video of a horse that was up to his shoulders in snow, and he was just kind of looking around like, "Well, when are you guys going to get me out of this? Come on, <laughs> I need help." <laughs> it was it was kind of comical, but you, you got to you feel for these people and these animals mm-hmm. that are stuck in those blizzard conditions. Yeah. So uh, pray pray for Nebraska. Pray for Iowa. And uh, I heard uh, an NBR affiliate this morning talking about the next go-around of when the snowpack mm-hmm. in South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, yeah. Dakota melts. That that'll, be, uh, that'll be a second yeah. downstream situation. See, that's mm-hmm. our our usual springs fl- flooding is from the yeah. snow melt, not not this early. So yeah. you you were gone last week, right? Uh, two weeks ago, I think. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, two weeks ago. Yeah, you were at some sort of thing where they at get together the, and share ham. Uh, ham radios. It's like barbecued <laughs> and then sugar and I, molasses. I have and, to tell him this every time. It's ham radio. <laughs> okay, I thought, well, you told me it was a ham fest, so I pictured people ham sitting around out. eating at a park. And If I had a nickel for every time I've had to explain that. <laughs> he'd still be poor. I know. Friend, friendship and fellowship with fellow radio enthusiasts of all walks of life. Since 1897, radio has allowed ugly people to also have an occupation. <laughs> now, I didn't look at you, Jim, when I said that. So. Yeah, speak for I'm yourself. Just, I'm being self-reflective <laughs> here. Uh, next week's guest, we've got Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Slips in Time and Space, eagerly looking forward to that. April 6th, we've got Bill Phillips. He returns to the broadcast Signs from the Other Side, Opening to the Spirit World. I've got uh, some work to do to fill the 13th and 20th. On the 27th, we've got Lee Harris, first-time guest. Energy Speaks, Messages from Spirit on Living, Loving, and Awakening. I think this is probably a good place to take the bottom of the hour break. Let's do that, and we'll be back with some more uh, meaningful, not frivolous, but 
meaningful conversation. And then we join our guest, Tannis Hellowell. The brand new book is The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. With Colleen and Jim, I'm Scott Colborn, and you guys and gals, we are exploring unexplained phenomena. Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Hear from brand new KZUM voices from your community before they even have their show on the air. Tune in to Beta Radio every Saturday from 3.30 to 5 p.m. on KZUM to hear from new KZUM programmers hosting shows that we hope to bring you regularly very soon. Beta Radio is a practice field of sorts for newly trained hosts to use their new studio skills and take their program idea for a spin. It's something new every week on Beta Radio, Saturdays from 3.30 to 5 here on KZUM. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. KZUM's new Podcast Partners program aims to support producers of original content who are motivated to create podcasts that enrich the perspectives of our audience as an extension of KZUM's mission to inform and entertain the Lincoln community. If you're interested in bringing a podcast idea to life, the Podcast Partners program might be for you. Find out more and apply at kzum.org slash podcasts. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. You know, I almost like what, how my voice just almost broke there. That was kind of cool. Uh, we've got uh, a number of people that are uh, contributing to this Nebraska farm and Nebraska flood relief efforts. Uh, the Nebraska Department of Agriculture is accepting volunteers <clears throat> and donations to aid farmers and ranchers. You can call 800-831-0550. The United Way, the Salvation Army, the American Red Cross, the Nebraska Farm Bureau Disaster Relief Fund, which is nefbfoundation.org. And they will make sure that if you donate to them, 100% of your donation <coughs> goes to farmers and ranchers. Um, Legal Aid of Nebraska, Disaster Relief Project. Their uh, disaster hotline is 844-268-5627. 
And you've got your uh, uh, churches in the area that are also, in their own way and through their affiliation with their denomination, making substantial uh, efforts, donations, collecting supplies, etc. So Jim Shorney is here, and Jim, uh, how about an update on on how you're doing? How's your week been? Well, I survived another week of uh, working, and uh, the weather's actually been pretty nice all week. So we've uh, we've been enjoying that for a change. Sunny days, and the uh, ground is getting to dry out. And uh, today it's back to being a little bit rainy, but that's okay. could be a lot worse. I'm going to send you out to see if we have a problem with the VIP line because I see uh, one of the standard lines blinking. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe check that out and see. We're trying to make a connection with our guest, Tannis Hellowell, and uh, we will do so. Overcast skies in Lincoln. Uh, we've got a light rain falling and should be on and off. It'll be following for most of today. Yeah, the Colborne family, the Colborne clan, we did okay. Um, my daughter's house is, is dry as well as uh, our property, so I give thanks for that. And uh, how are you folks doing, by the way? Are you guys and gals doing okay? It's sure great to have you listening here, and I know I sound different, so... Um, Maybe uh, I'll just drink some more coffee here and see if that helps. Colleen's got a cup she just brought in, too, so. <laughs> okay, we're going to use the standard line then? Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I forgot to use the VIP, so I'm, I apologize. <laughs> it gives me a lot of pleasure to welcome our next guest. She's a repeat guest, and we were first introduced to her work back in 2005 with her book, Summer with the Leprechauns. Uh, we've talked with her on November 16th of 2013 with her book, Pilgrimage with the Leprechauns, uh, February 27th, 2016, with her book, Hybrids, So You Think You Are Human. And on March 12th of that same year, 2016, we had, as I say, more leprechaun conversation. Tannis Hellowell has got a brand new book out called The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. And she started doing work in human potential and transformation uh, better than 30 years ago, and then began working with elementals, angels, and master teachers on other planes. Uh, She lives on the seacoast north of Vancouver, and she, I believe, is joining us from that very location. Uh, Tannis, good morning to you. Good morning, Scott. What a treat being on your program again. Thanks for inviting me. What's your What's your day look like when you look out the window there? You're on the seacoast. Well, um, I am looking at a cloudy start. It's um, I'm about five hours north of Vancouver, if you drive it, but only 150 kilometers. Uh, if you are uh, if you are flying like a crow, so I'm right on the ocean, but it's going to go up to about 11 degrees today. 
Wow. Our, our spring is here. Our spring is here, and it will be sunny this afternoon, and we've got hyacinths and tulips starting, and uh, so that's where we're at. Now, you're in the Midwest, aren't you? Yes, and we've got uh, probably 50s today and cloudy skies and light rain. Aha. Well, there you go. Atanas, it's you've... funny hearing you say 50s because you are in... You're in Fahrenheit, and I'm in Celsius. Uh, Canada used to be in uh, in Fahrenheit as well, so I understand very much what mm-hmm. 50 degrees is like. <laughs> um, so uh, people that talk to you, they hear a lot of um, uh, Ireland in your voice. Do they, then? <laughs> uh, well, I think that I have something called the, the Mid-Atlantic... Uh, the mid-Atlantic accent. That's what I've been told. When I'm in 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 North America, they think that I I have something of of Ireland or England in my voice. And I go over there, and they think I sound American. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, this is Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Our guest is Tannis Hellowell. And uh, the brand new book that we're talking about today is called The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. Uh, How many times roughly have you been to Hawaii? I have been there maybe six times. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I I first went when I was a young woman, uh, only in my, my 20s, and absolutely fell in love with it. And um, and since then, I've been called back again and again. And for me, Scott, it feels like a very yin place. There, when I go to Mexico, it feels very yang, a very masculine, machismo. But when I go to Hawaii, because of the hula and the grace and the franzipanis, I I feel much more feminine and soft. I was there with my family in 1978, and that's been my, uh, sadly, my one and only trip. Um, Oh, dear. But I identify with so many people that say that when they set foot on Hawaiian soil, that they really get a sense that something is is different. And we all remarked, um, you know, my dad uh, came from a farming background here in Nebraska, uh, was an agronomist. He was at one time offered a job from the Dole Pineapple Company of Hawaii. And mm-hmm. uh, we'd always thought about what would have happened if we would have accepted that position and moved to Hawaii. So we had a chance to do some further investigation. But given our background from the Midwest, we all still sense that there was really something different going on in 1978. Yes, I I feel that there is something magical that that happens over there, and and as you say, it's not just us that feel this. You know, a lot of um, a lot of uh, mystics feel this when they go there and feel drawn to stay. Mm-hmm. And your uh, your visits there, you've typically had uh, one or more traveling companions, uh, including a gentleman who uh, is thought to be from Ireland, but actually he appears various places. 
Um, and uh, we could call him the man. Uh, we could also <laughs> refer to him as being uh, uh, Lloyd, or as uh, your partner Simon says, is it Leppy? Leppy, yes. My what? leprechaun friend, yes. I wonder, I wonder uh, how uh, Lloyd feels about that, I've, that nickname I've of Leppy. My leprechaun friend in Ireland, in a haunted cottage on the west coast of Ireland, about, um, oh gosh, <clears throat> Um, 1988, it would have been that, that it happened. And, uh, and elementals, and that's what they call themselves, leprechauns and elves and trolls and goblins are, are all elementals, just like we call ourselves humans. And so elementals can travel in space and time. So there's no problem at all for Lloyd to leave his home in Ireland and come visit me here in Canada for a cup of tea in the morning or to go off to Hawaii where he was studying with the kahuna, the medicine teachers there, to learn more about the uh, sacred practices of the Hawaiians. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, he's, he thinks of himself as a scholar, and so he's very interested in not only becoming as human as humans, but, but you know, to become as familiar with as many paths as possible. Um, he thinks of himself as a rainbow person, a global person. When Lloyd shares a cup of tea with you, um, does the, the tea actually disappear or does, does he savor the essence and the aroma? Yes, the latter. Uh, many people ask me that. How do you know that uh, that that he's actually drunk from it? it? And it's not just it's not just the tea. It might be porridge. It might be blueberry pancakes um, that he would want. Um, basically vegetarian, but um, but the elementals live in a, a little bit higher dimension than what we're, where we are. So they are able to take the essence of what, um, of what the food is and, uh, and enjoy it like that. Um, it wasn't too long ago, Tannis, that uh, society, humanity, had uh, more of an open mind and tolerance for um, mystical realms, for angels, for elementals, divas, fairies. And I think, um, would you agree that it was probably the industrial age and the focus on, on hard science? Um, you know, if you can't see it, if you can't hold it, then it's not real. Did that to do something then to perception uh, of elementals and fairies and divas? Yes, I, I agree that that is when it happened. And um, a lot of it is, as you say, it's perception. When children are born, they actually do see these other realms. And the whole, all the stories about Peter Pan and the children going to Never Never Land. Well, Peter Pan was an elf, and Never Never Land was, was the fairy elemental kingdom. But when Wendy, if you remember the story, when Wendy mm-hmm. got to puberty, she could no longer go to Never Never Land. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, um, what happens is that 
when kids go to school at around age seven, some of the veils come down so that they can no no longer uh, see these other realms. And then when they go to puberty, if, if they still were able to up until then, then even more serious veils come down. And so we we learn not to see um, these other realms. And um, my life has been a little different than that in that the veils never came down for me. So I've always been able to see, and a lot of my work in the world has been helping people to remove the veils so that they can see again, because it is a natural process. And it it happens when when our frequencies increase. And when children come right into the world when they're born, they come in with a a higher frequency because they've just come, they've just entered, so they haven't had any wounds, they haven't had anything happen to them, Um, and uh, so they can see these things, and then we... We live our life, and we have a lot of wounds and a lot of difficulties, a lot of heartbreaks, disappointments, and so our frequency decreases. But if we can switch this around and start being more optimistic and hopeful and have greater trust and faith in the in the divine plan for us, in, in universal consciousness, um, then our frequencies rise again and we rise to these levels where we have break, breakthroughs and we can see angels and talk to them and the same with elementals. And I believe that's our destiny and that that is happening right now. And that's the importance of programs like yours, which have been going for is it 40 years now, Scott? 34 years. There you go. My gosh. So so this is the importance of it. It is it's giving people a bridge into these other realms. That first of all people have to believe that it's possible uh, to do and then they have to believe it's possible for them to do. Mm-hmm. So The first is, you know, making them aware that many people in the world do these things, and science is now even able, as you say, to to prove that uh, a lot of these mystical experiences or other dimensions are, in fact, there. So um, I think it's a wonderful time when where we're going with science and quantum physics and epigenetics is starting to parallel what spiritual teachers have always known. Could you define that term that you just mentioned, epigenetics? Yes, epigenetics is a a new scientific field, and um, it is um, about, in our DNA, we don't inherit only our blue eyes and our red hair from our parents, our grandparents, and our disposition, we also actually inherit from our ancestors the wounds that they have had, um, as well as the um, 
the the temperamental um, gifts that they have had, um, such as music, for example. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, say that my family comes from Ireland, as it does. So um, in my epigenetic pattern, what there is is the potato famine and a lot of poverty, starvation, and the Irish were um, were treated like like dirt, like second class citizens, not like subhumans even. So um, by people you know who who um, who brought them even to uh, North America, that they they became you know um, the the lower class of of people here. So what I would then inherit would be this ancestral wound. And so what my book is about on one level is it's a story with Lloyd when, you know, we go to Ireland and I meet all the men of Huni and, um, and all the, the ancestors of Hawaii. But on another level, um, the story, The High Beings of Hawaii, um, is it's the subtitle, which is Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. And this is the the whole idea for all of us that um, we have this epigenetic pattern which is is having to be healed so if if my if my ancestors came from poverty and feeling that they were worthless what in me and in my family um, shows up like that, and part of what my family is like today is they have a scarcity mentality, and they uh, feel that they are not that good, and alcoholism is a big problem in my family. So they underperform. Well, they could be brilliant, but they would end up dropping out of school in grade 10, for example, because they don't really think that they're worth it. Um, So I believe that part of what I'm supposed to do is, is help heal this family pattern right now in this day and age. And I think that that's why the, um, the Hawaiian ancestors wanted me to write the book. That's what they said. They said, we want it to be broader than just a story that happened in Hawaii. We want everyone to be aware that they have ancestors and that the ancestors are alive today and are wanting to to um, communicate and work with the their descendants, which is us, in the present day life so that these ancestral patterns can be healed. So this is what the ancestors want from us. My daughter, Melissa Colborn, was still an infant in a car seat, and we had gone with a group of family and friends to a restaurant to have dinner. Um, My daughter was in her car seat beside me, resting on the floor, and I happened to look over and look down at her, and she was looking up at the ceiling, and she was just animated. She was waving her hands and kicking her feet and just such a joyful expression. 
on her face. Now, the disbeliever would say that she's passing gas or she's doing something like that. But so I saw this animation and I looked up at the ceiling and I said to myself, I wonder if she's seen something. So I leaned over and I said, honey, do you see somebody or something up there by the ceiling? And I turned and pointed to wave. Would you like to wave at them? And so she nodded her head and she held her hand up, looking up at the ceiling, and she waved her hand. So I announced to the table that we had a visitor or visitors, and we all put down our our utensils. We looked up to the ceiling, and uh, we all waved and uh, greeted whoever was was there. Whether or not um, we can see something doesn't mean that it's not not there. My daughter was clearly interacting with something, and so she was a, a bridge that evening for that table and that group of people to open our minds a little bit more and to embrace the fact that maybe we're, quote-unquote, maybe we're not alone. What a wonderful story. So, Tannis, yeah. in, in your book, you've got... Ten ways to contact and work with our ancestors. We've talked about the first step is to believe. And if you don't believe, then you've automatically closed your your mind and the door to future knowing. When we come back from the bottom of the hour or top of the hour break, rather, let's talk about some other things, steps that you can do to connect with your ancestors. This is Tannis Hellowell and Tannis's website is iitransform.com. And what does that stand for, uh, Tannis? It stands for our International Institute for Transformation. We've been going since 2000 now, so it's 20 years, um, and it's to help folks um, all over the world, actually, I work um, all over, I work in about eight different countries mm-hmm. and um, to help them with their spiritual transformation. And you've got a big following, too, in Germany. I do, I do. We even have um, a newsletter which we put out in German, and uh, a young woman in Argentina is now involved in helping me create a Spanish newsletter, which we can have, so we'll have three newsletters going out. But yeah, my my books um, are out in Sweden, and I teach in Norway, and in Holland, and Switzerland, Germany, England. Yeah, very fortunate. France. <laughs> when we come back to, I want to bring in our, our producer and co-host, Colleen, here, to have her comment, too, on, on some of the uh, ancestry that she's got. Uh, I'm Scott Colborn with Colleen and Jim, our special guest, Tannis Hellowell, the author of the brand new book, The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. Please stay tuned. We've got more coming up right after this. Hey. 
The Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln. Offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. And by... The Haymarket Farmer's Market. Thanking its patrons and vendors for this past season. Vendor inquiries for the 2019 season at 402-435-7496 and lincolnhaymarket.org. KZUM and the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum present How's It Growing? Nature Walks and Garden Talks 2019. Welcome spring and join Bob Hendrickson of KZUM's How's It Growing? and Friends of Wilderness Park on a guided nature hike. Learn how to identify and harvest wild plants while getting away from the hustle and bustle of the city. Join us Saturday, April 13th, 10 a.m. to noon at Wilderness Park. Find out more on Facebook and at kzum.org. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing Black Mountain River. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborne with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. I lost my voice Wednesday night. I looked around and couldn't find it, but it slowly come back. And uh, so I'm feeling really, really good. And by the way, the coffee that we've got here is... Um, Sulawesi. It's one of my favorite blends, and uh, it's nice and strong. It's great, folks, to have you with us on this uh, overcast Saturday morning, if you're listening live in Lincoln or all over the world via kzom.org. It's great to have you here. Our special guest is Tannis Hellowell. She's written books like Embraced by Love, Take Your Soul to Work, Manifest Your Soul's Purpose, Decoding Your Destiny, Keys to Humanity's Spiritual Transformation, Pilgrimage with the Leprechauns, A True Story of a Mystical Tour of Ireland, Summer with the Leprechauns, the Authorized Edition, 
Hybrids, So You Think You Are Human, and the brand new book that we're all excited about, The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. What are other ways, Janice, that people can connect with their ancestors? Well, um, I talk about both biological and spiritual ancestors. Oh, good point. And so if we're talking about biological ancestors, it would be those, um, you know, our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, and that's probably as far as you, you are going back. But if we're talking about spiritual ancestors, we may be talking in terms of past life ancestors and lives that we've had in different places, and why do we feel drawn to different different races, different cultures, different religions that we're not ourselves raised with. So so we have to take that into account as well. And and um, another way of looking at spiritual ancestors, uh, Scott, would be um, for myself, for example, I am I have studied Buddhism in the in the past and am still very drawn to it and feel very um, drawn to the Dalai Lama, for example. Um, but my present practice, and I think it will be the one that will take me through to the end of this lifetime, is um, more of a Hindu practice. It's Kriya Yoga, and it's got to do with Paramahansa Yogananda. So... I feel that he and that particular lineage, which also goes back to Christ, because I feel very drawn to the Christian tradition and Christ, um, is my spiritual lineage. So I, I think that people have to think in terms of, are some of my ancestors not only biological, but they are spiritual? And this is very much what the um, the ancestors were teaching me in Hawaii, and that that they had um, a spiritual. The one that appeared to me was a spiritual ancestor there called the Mo'o, which is a water dragon. And for them, the Mo'o is a guardian. It's a guardian in all their fish ponds to to help them. It is a guardian in their oceans. So when we are trying to contact our ancestors, um, if it's trying to contact our spiritual ancestors, then I think we need to have an altar and maybe a picture or something that reminds us of those spiritual ancestors and to to meditate more. Um, and and ask them for help, ask them for guidance. If we're trying to contact our biological ancestors, um, that would be our parents, our grandparents, especially I'm talking about people who may no longer be around if we're trying to contact them, then we would be doing things like like um, telling at Thanksgiving or at Christmas tell the family stories. There's something called the oscillating narrative. And this is very important for people to hear 
the family stories about the ups and downs that their ancestors have had and to have these things passed along or precious objects that were belong to our grandparents or great-grandparents and photographs, passing these along in our generations. Because one of the problems in our Western culture is that we are no longer rooted to the land. And First Nations, uh, indigenous peoples around the world, have always felt a, a greater connection to the land and and we if we are working with our ancestors especially the biological ones it reestablishes our connection to who we are where have we come from and and our connection we start to root ourselves more on this gorgeous wonderful planet that we have and if we're rooted on the planet we are no longer going to be harming her because we'll realize that we are part of her. So this is all part of how I think we can connect more with our ancestors. I know it's quite a lengthy explanation, and mm-hmm. believe me, I could even go on more. Sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, uh, we celebrate and reenact rituals, as you mentioned in your book, uh, as a Presbyterian uh, of Scottish descent, tomorrow the church I attend, uh, Westminster Presbyterian Church, is having Scottish, uh, Scottish Heritage Sunday. And so many families have a uh, tartan, if you will, a symbol of their family. And it may not be just cloth. It may be a, uh, a Bible. It may be a picture. It may be a family heirloom. And so we're encouraged to bring that for a, a blessing. And uh, there'll be a big meal of, uh, get ready for this, bangers and mash. And you probably know what that is. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so it's important to understand uh, our, our heritage and to embrace that because, as Tannis has said earlier, that's part of uh, who we are. That's part of our makeup. Um. Pay attention to your dreams. The fourth way that you can contact your uh, and be in contact with your ancestors, and this is a huge one, isn't it, for a lot of people? It is uh, definitely because um, um, when we when we dream, we we go to um, a higher realm. And it's the same realm, it's the astral world, if you like, it's a higher frequency. Um, it's the same realm we go to when we die. So, so dreaming is just a way of us starting to ha- have a preview, if you like, of where we're going to go when we die. So the sooner that we can wake up to our dreams and see what we're doing and where we're going and who we are meeting and bring that information back into our what's supposed to be called waking life, but it really is we're half conscious in our waking life, um, the better, because then we can implement and connect to this other realm. It's creating a stronger bridge. And what we really want to do 
to be an awakened, enlightened human being is to be awake in that supposedly dream state. So that's why remembering our dreams is very important. And one of the ways of doing it is to, when we have a dream, is to act on it. And then that anchors it in us more. When uh, our ancestors, our relatives that have gone before us, when they come to us in our dreams, it's a, a, it's a safe way for a lot of us. Uh, the people that may be doubting Thomases, that old phrase, uh, disbelievers, people that have consciously never claimed to have any recollection of a contact with their parents, grandparents, their, their family, oftentimes these ancestors will come to them in their dreams because it's, it's very, very safe. Um, the experience slips by the ego, which is the conscious sort of guardian of what you think is appropriate or not, and can slip around that filter, and then the ancestors can present themselves, can hang out, can encourage. They can also warn uh, about uh, upcoming choices. And it's been my experience that when people sit down tennis and feel comfortable without the ridicule factor and start to talk about this. So many people have stories of uh, deceased loved ones and family members coming to them. Yes, it's, um, it's, it's true. They do. And sometimes people um, will also feel feel um, members close to them, especially during special days, um, yep. uh, you know, days like we mentioned, Thanksgiving and Christmas, but it, it could be um, on their birthdays or, or days like that, that they'll all of a sudden be, be thinking of, of a deceased member, and it could be that that deceased member is actually there with them. And sometimes when we have... Um, uh, a sad time happen, uh, a tragedy, like the, the death of somebody or somebody loses their job or has a divorce, um, we will receive comfort from our mother or our grandmother that has passed on and um, be able to talk to them um, and, um, and, and be comforted by them. And this is if we've had a great relationship, um, and I'd like to talk a little bit also about another thing I, I mentioned as one of the ways to contact ancestors, and that is the the principle of forgiveness. Oh, wow. Because um, sometimes our ancestors have, have um, been, let's just say, a difficult or had some undesirable qualities that um, that we're not um, happy about. Maybe how did, they how did you know that about my family, Dennis? Sexually did... abusive or emotionally abusive. Um, maybe they abandoned us at an early age. Mm -hmm. um, uh, any of these things could have could have happened. Um, and why did they happen? Well, obviously, they were wounded. And some of these abuses, if they're not corrected, get passed down 
in generations. I mean, suicide can be one of these epigenetic patterns that gets passed passed down so that you get, you know, the grandparent committed suicide and then the parent committed suicide, whatever. So, so this principle of forgiveness is very, very important because these ancestors, once they pass on, know what they've done. Um, are horrified at what they've done, and it's too late for them to remedy it, and they are more or less begging us to forgive them mm-hmm. and to move on. And um, and a lot of these patterns go beyond our own family. We can think of the, the terrible uh, genocidal patterns for our First Nations and the ways that they have been treated, um, or we can, or or we can talk of the um, the the black uh, population in um, in in and their slavery, for example, um, in the United States, or the Jews in in Germany. So some of these are patterns that are actually racial patterns that we have come into that race in this life so that we can help heal um, the, these epigenetic patterns for our race as well as for our family. Our special guest is Tannis Hellowell, and you folks are getting a lot more than you thought you'd bargained for. There is going to be more great conversation to come. This book that we're referring to and talking about is based upon her true experiences in Hawaii. The book title is The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. I had to cough off microphone there. Start where you are now. I really like this. Wow. Um, Tana says, what reoccurring problems do you face in your life? Look at your family history. Are your issues common to your alive and deceased relatives? Uh, Health concerns, financial, relationships, career paths, places you want to live. What do you notice? Can you see patterns in your life right now and in your ancestors? Do you, do you want to comment there? <laughs> well, I think that you've done a great job of, of summarizing um, what, what the importance is of starting where we are now. Um, people have to live. Um, this is something that our indigenous peoples around the world are much better at than, than um, what I'd say the Western mindset, for want of a better word. And... Um, and they're better at being. They're better at being in the present moment. And, um, and so this is what I'm trying to get people to look at. You know, don't, don't wait until, you know, five things fall into place before you get on with your life, you know, right? And don't wait on, on t- for the future. Live in the present moment. And, and also, don't cling to the past. Don't keep on, you know, telling 
you know, your victim stories again and again and again because it reinforces the victim story. I mean, in our past lives and perhaps even in this life, we have all of us been a persecutor as well as being a victim or we wouldn't still be on this planet. So we might as well move on and start saying about what can we do now. As you know, Scott, I'm a psychotherapist by training, and when I had a practice in uh, Toronto, actually, I practiced for uh, 15, 16 years, and people would come to me every week with the same story, and I'd give them a homework assignment and to go away, and then next week they'd come back, and I'd say, well, did you do your homework assignment? And it would be around things to build up their self-esteem and start getting some goals so that they could get some momentum going. And they'd say no. So I'd say, well, go and do it this week. So a couple of weeks would go by, and, and if no, nothing had moved and they were still telling the same old story of how they were victimized, I would ultimately just say to them, I'm not the therapist for you. Right, because, uh, you know, I'm not going to hold your hand for the next five or ten years on a weekly basis for you to keep telling me the same story. Yep. And sometimes they would break down and cry and say, give me another chance. And, of course, I would give them another chance at that point. But, you know, sometimes we have to put people's feet to the fire and say, be responsible now. Now be responsible. Mm-hmm. Forget about the past. We're not going to go into guilt and blame and shame. Just get on with it. What are you going to do now? This is Tanis Hellowell, the author of The High Beans of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. Um, I like, uh, in the Bible, I like uh, Paul who was a persecutor of Christians and even took part in killing them went through a conversion and became a champion of Christianity. And I've done a lot of uh, bad things in my previous life um, and perhaps even some prior lives. But I look at the change that can happen with Paul and I, I embrace that. And so I have done my best to let go of some of the things that I've done that I'm not happy about and I wouldn't try to recreate and I've tried to move forward, and I think that's so important. Um, folks, we can all at some point be victims, but if we continue to claim that victimhood and perpetuate that and that belief, uh, then as Tanis just so eloquently said, there's no movement. We need to, we need to move. Um, with us here is, is Jim and Colleen, and... Uh, Colleen, I want to try to engage you here. We've got about five minutes before our break here at the bottom of the hour. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a member of um, a Native American tribe or affiliations with several tribes. And uh, does any of this uh, talk about ancestors and connecting with your past, does that also feel familiar to you? Yeah, uh, to a great degree. <laughs> Except that... Uh, we go we go through a lot of this in a slightly more different way. Uh, I guess you could say not as not as specific. Um, 
for us, we know our ancestors are with us all the time. And it's more along the line of kind of, I I guess you could say like, um, like, you know how uh, particles exist and you, and you know, you can't see them, you can't feel them, you can't taste them, but you know, they're there because otherwise, how else are you here? Uh, That's what we're generally like. Well, we know our ancestors are there. We know that at, at this point in time, we are the result of their actions. But also at the same time, we are also going to be the ancestors of somebody else in the yeah. future. Mm-hmm. So, so in terms of spirituality, uh, for us, when when you know we do we when people do have dreams of grandparents or somebody who's a part of their family that they do take that as messages like you know like my mom's been having dreams about her mom lately mm-hmm. um but you know her her mom had some issues when she was growing up because she was one of the uh kids that was taken oh. from her family to be you know put into boarding school and would you permit yeah. me to say that, that that for a lot of my um associates mm-hmm. that are of Native American origin, mm-hmm. that the, the veil is much thinner for you because you've had that series of histories of mm-hmm. belief or you haven't told yourself no, uh, but it's been right there with you because of your connection to the ancestors, to the past, mm-hmm. to the land. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... And I, and I think that's also what it is also is like, you know, right now here in Lincoln, Nebraska, we're in Oto, uh, Pawnee, and Omaha land. You know, my mom's ancestors were here for a couple hundred years after they moved out of the Ohio River Valley. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you go farther north, that's when you get onto the borders with uh, uh, like the Santee and... and uh, the punka and you know my my tribe and and everybody is like we all share the same territory so to speak mm. um and that's what we also acknowledge is like a, you know this is ancestral homeland mm. you know right now there may be people who live here who have you know claimed it as their own and you know calling it a state <laughs> all these things but at the same time it's like well Sooner or later, none of this is going to exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, what really matters as responsible ancestors is that we ensure that future generation, generations have access to, you know, this land that's whole and not, not something that's been scarred and, and forgotten. I had lunch tennis in Colleen with a friend of mine on, on Wednesday, and he talked about a study that he was recently made aware of where they took a number of Native Americans who um, had been suffering from poor diet, which is primarily uh, white European, mm-hmm. and they took these individuals and they reinstituted a diet that they would have been more familiar with mm-hmm. as a, a, a Plains Indian. Mm-hmm. And within a short period of time, a lot of their health melodies had cleared up. They were losing weight, they're a lot more alert, more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a number of ways that, that we can benefit by claiming our past, mm-hmm. uh, but we still need to move forward into the future. Yeah, and I, and I think that's also like, 
one thing I'm glad people are starting to look at is, you know, like how, how, like people starting to realize how sophisticated our diet was, you know, how sophisticated our, you know, housing structures are, Mm -hmm. you know, how, you know, how quickly you can take a teepee down and transport it. And you can go just about anywhere with, you know, the teepee and set, set up a small village within minutes, if not an hour. And you, you try to do that with most military style tents and it takes you a while because <laughs> you're using metal rods and you're using, you know, military grade stuff. But at the same time, it's like, well, you have to use the resources that's around you. Uh, Tannis talks about, and we mentioned this earlier on the program, forgiveness, and that is such a big connection. Mm-hmm. Um, Tannis, if you'll permit me just a little bit of latitude here. Uh, sure, I'm really when, enjoying this conversation. Mm-hmm. When, my, when my father, uh, towards the end of his life, uh, was deep in alcoholism, uh, we had, uh, uh, didn't have a harmonious relationship. And uh, he passed very, very early because of a number of life choices that he had made. And as I got older and <laughs> achieved more uh, maturity, my friends would say that I'm still working on that, <laughs> um, I was able to look back with a lot more compassion at some of the reasons and the, the hows and whys that surrounded my father. And... I remember a story that dad, because he never liked to talk about uh, his World War II experience. My dad went all the way from Normandy, all the way into the invasion of Germany and part of the occupation. So he he went through the Battle of the Bulge, um, incredible fighting. And mm-hmm. dad, um, dad said, uh, Scott, what do you do when you're taking so many prisoners that the word comes from the chain of command that we are overwhelmed and that on today, on Saturday, you simply can't take any prisoners because there's no room for them. We can't put these prisoners anyplace. And then, Scott, suddenly you have a 100 men with a white flag that walk up and surrender. And he said, Scott, what do you do? So those are some of the stories that Dad told me that helped me understand some of his choices and how he dealt with that. So uh, I have offered... Well, this is before we had uh, this diagnosis of PTSD. Yeah, it was called um, shell shock. you know, with all the Vietnam vets coming back and the Korean soldiers and whatever, you know, the... We now know, and now Afghanistan and and Iran, all all these these things that we're dealing with currently, um, that we we didn't know about that then, did we? Yeah, it was so it, an incredible experience. What it, what it is, I think, it's that um, now that we know about um, what happens to soldiers when they go away. Um, what happens to children when they're taken away from their parents um, and put in boarding schools. Now that we are aware of of what has happened, um, we, um, we can start this, uh, the healing process, um, and hopefully, 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 
uh, start um, eradicating our behaviors that are creating these things for our descendants. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes I think that until the pain gets bigger than the pleasure of doing something, we don't change. Isn't that, sounds like a very pessimistic comment about humanity. It's the truth. But um, I, I think that there has, often has to be a certain amount of pain to get people to wake up and change and want to change. And um, and we are in a world right now where there is a great deal of pain. And we're aware of the pain. We're not just aware of the pain in our own families anymore, um, but we're aware of the pain of people around the world. We really are aware of the global pain and the pain of our Earth Mother. So we're starting, I think many people are starting almost to feel overwhelmed with the pain of the world. And when that happens, they either collapse um, and, you know, go into drugs or alcoholism or whatever, or they, they rise to a higher level of responsibility and, and try to say, what can I do in my life? To, to change something. And I really believe that each of us, each of us is given exactly what we are supposed to have as, as opportunities um, in our life. Um, there are no accidents. So, so whatever is happening, we are up for it. We just have to look at what is the high road and what is the low road. And always try to go for the high road. Um, um, I don't think any of us will, if we go for the high road, it, there's two ways that, that, that we can view success. One view of success is that we actually do whatever we set out to do. Whatever our goal is, we, we accomplish it. And that may or may not happen. But I think the other way that we can view our success is that we did all we could do. Yes. And that is something that each of us can always receive, is the, knowing we have we stepped up to the plate. You the, know, we have given us our best our best shot. The choices that we make in turn, provide encouragement to those around us, family members, friends, etc., to also uh, do do their best. Candice, when I come back from the bottom of the hour break, I'd like to have you pick one of your favorite remembrances of being in Hawaii, one of your encounters, if you will, and tell us about it. Sound good? Yeah, will do. This is Tannis Hellowell. And her website is iitransform.com. That's the letter I, the letter I, transform.com. Her last name is spelled H-E-L-L-I-W-E-L-L. Tannis Hellowell. You'll also find her on Facebook. 
Jim McColeen, how you doing? And what do you think of the of the conversation? Fascinating conversation. Isn't this great? Yeah. We've got into some uh, really deep areas there. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, um, Vic in the house. He's coming up with Mesoterra at 12 noon. We'll be right back with our top of the hour break. Excuse me, the bottom of the hour break. This, this cold has got me loopy. Uh, and we'll be right back with conversation with Tannis Hellowell. Stay tuned. Hey, the voice of the blues in Lincoln, Nebraska. KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from the Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern, Crescent Moon Coffee, Meadowlark Coffee, and the Zoo Bar. This is live music coming to stages this week in Lincoln. On Saturday, March 23rd, the Lead Center hosts a 125th anniversary celebration of Concordia University Music beginning at 7.30 p.m. Blay, Safekeeper, and Steady Wells play Duffy's Tavern at 8. Little Ed and the Blues Imperials return to the Zoo Bar at 6 p.m., followed at 9 by Boneheart Flanagan and Evan Bartles. The Bourbon Theater hosts an 8 o'clock show with Red Sun Rising, Goodbye June, and Dirty Honey. And the Great Plains Pre-Festival show starts at 6.30 at the Bay with Oatmeal 97, Threesome Egos, and more. That's live music happening this week in Lincoln. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Scott Colborne with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena with Colleen and Jim. And you guys and gals, our guest next week is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, Slips in Time and Space. We've been talking with Tannis Hellowell this morning, the author of the brand new book, The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. And what's a, what's a fond remembrance of one of your trips to Hawaii, Tannis? Um, that's such a difficult question for me. And it's, um, my, my experiences in Hawaii, it, it was almost as if I was taken <clears throat> on a journey by my leprechaun friend Lloyd and, and pieces unraveled pieces in me. Um, at first, when he said he was going to uh, take us to to meet beings who wanted to meet us in Hawaii, I was reluctant to go because I wanted to have a vacation. And I felt I'd been working very hard, and I didn't need to have, have him take me 
to uh, meet people who are going to then want me to write a book, because this is what usually happens with Lloyd. Um, so I was reluctant, and then I thought, well, okay, I'll go, I'll, I'll go and see. And I thought, well, he'll introduce me to the Manahuni, to the elementals of Hawaii. So that was, and that is what I thought I was going to meet. I had no idea um, in those first days that not only were we going to meet the Manahuni, the, the elementals, the first peoples of Hawaii before the Hawaiians came, but also that I was going to meet this other race, which I had never, ever heard about, called the Mo'okani. And the Mo'okani, when I met them, they were human-like, uh, but they had... Um, dragon-like, reptilian-like features, um, something that I had never, ever experienced before. And they told me that they were um, hybrids of their ancestor, which was the Mo'o, and that's why they called themselves the Mo'okani. Kani is one of the great gods of Hawaii, and the Mo'o were these uh, water dragons. And that the water dragons um, wanted to, some water dragons wanted to live on the land, and so they decided to become hybrids and beca- became these Mo'okani. So, and, and then I would meet the actual Hawaiian ancestors who weren't Mo'o and they weren't Mo'okani and they weren't, weren't Menahuni. They were actually the ancestors of the kings and the queens and the ancient kahunas, and they wanted to teach me as well. So what ended up for me thinking I'm going to have a vacation and then, well, okay, I could, I guess, go see some elementals, turned into a very complex unraveling um, on this whole idea of what are ancestors, and it turned out they are all ancestors. And um, and that, as one of the Hawaiian ancestors said to me, she said, it doesn't matter, you don't have to define, is it a Manahuni or a Ma'okani or one of us human ancestors talking to you? It isn't to define it, she said, that is... Uh, that is your, you know, white European way of thinking of something. You have to box it. She said, what is important is what we're teaching you, what we're saying. And and what they were saying was that we have to become a balance between the yin and the yang and the... Um, rather than just living in a yang world, which is doing, 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 and all about quantity, which leads to greed and wanting more and more. And the yin part is the um, the softer, the, the better listener, the willingness to sacrifice, to compromise, to give up something. And so she was teaching more of how to be than to do. So the the book, I actually was able to write the story in about a year, Scott, um, and Colleen and Jim, 
Um, but the the process, um, it took me four years before I released this book. Because although I had the story correct, it lacked the essence of me having changed. It took another three years for me to to go through the mm-hmm. changes in my cellular memory, mm-hmm. my ancestral pattern, and a great deal of healing in my family happened during those those years um, of the unwinding of the ancestral family pattern for me to feel that the essence now in, was in the book. So sometimes... Um, in our, you know, Western uh, white culture, um, we put things out, I think, stories out too soon, and we think, well, these are the facts, this is what happened. But we don't allow that process to transform us. So for me, this was the most important thing, is the intangible nature of the ancestors to allow them to transform us. If you just accept something uh, intellectually and uh, don't integrate that into your life, then you're uh, only paying lip service to it. Uh, there's, there's no uh, transformation. So you've just eloquently this said that... This is exactly that, what I mean. ...that you went through that process yourself of understanding it intellectually and then integrating that spiritually, uh, mentally, uh, morally uh, into your your being. And was it, after you had done so, was that a positive thing that you looked back and said, I'm glad that I did that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the process of writing the book, if you like, took four years. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, I feel much more whole. Um, I didn't even know I wasn't whole before. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's sort of like um, of an onion that um, there we come to one layer of our on learning. And we plateau for a while and we feel, oh, well, I've done that now. Um, it's complete, and then we come to another layer, and and another layer, and that this is what life is about. It's allowing the unraveling, um, so that our authentic nature um, emerges more and more and more, and we become diamonds when we started out being a hunk of coal. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Tannis, I've enjoyed having you back on the program again, and, and thank you for the bravery in some sense that you show by writing about your personal experiences and letting people uh, join you on a travelogue of a mystical adventure and letting the chips fall where they may and encouraging people to uh, be open-minded and to embrace perhaps um, a greater sense of who they are. So thank you for showing the way forward to a lot of us. Oh, thank you for the opportunity uh, once again to be with you. I really appreciate it. And what is Tannis and uh, Simon, what do you have 
in store for the rest of the weekend? What are you doing? Well, um, I have two gardeners who've come to help me on my garden today, which is the first time that I've had any help. And so I've been watching them, as I've been speaking with you, I've been watching them cart winter branches over the, you know, into the compost pile. So I'm going to go and join them. <laughs> I hope you have a Go great- out into the garden and, and garden and, and celebrate the beauty of our lovely earth. And if you can, uh, I know I said this to you during our last conversation, but give my very best to the man. I will. I will. And he sends his very best back to you, to all of you. Tannis Hellowell, her website is the letters iitransform.com. You'll also find Tannis Hellowell, H-E-L-L-I-W-E-L-L, on Facebook. The brand new book is The High Beings of Hawaii, Encounters with Mystical Ancestors. And when the Colborne family went over in 1978, we didn't have um, enough time. And someday I I would like to go back. It is definitely a, a magical place. My thanks to Tannis Hellowell for being with us today. Uh, Colleen and Jim, what do you got planned for the rest of the weekend? Uh, I think it's nap time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow we're actually doing a a water ceremony. Um, And it's going to be, it's going to be like, we're just going to be making prayers for uh, the water and the flooding and that kind of thing. Because, you know. We did that, too, for the 2011 floods. It's like, mm-hmm. just, just to try and say, like, take pity on us. Because, you know, I, I, I like to think that uh, the spirits like to listen to us. So. All our best to uh, all you folks out there listening. Uh, again, if you've been impacted through our words or through the media with what's happened in Nebraska in many areas and the incredible, devastating flood, and as Jim said, the blizzard out west, uh, there are a number of ways that you can get involved. So uh, you could simply type in Nebraska flood relief, and that'll give you a lot of options right there. Um, I'm going to be going to a restaurant uh, tomorrow that's going to be donating a big chunk of what I spend to the American Red Cross. Uh, There are a number of places that are doing things like that. Uh, There are trucks that, uh, it's called Stuff the Truck, where they're parked at a number of the grocery stores around Lincoln, and you can buy things and and give to them. They're going to take to people in need, so. Yeah, and and make sure you check what they're asking for, too, because there's certain very specific things that they need a lot of, and they want you to try and bring some of that. Mm -hmm. We thank you very much for your care and compassion that you show others, and thereby you um, draw that back to yourselves as well. Stay tuned for Vic and Mesoterra. Uh, our special thanks to Rosemary Ellen Guiley and to Shelley from Canada for their generous donations of prepaid phone cards. And our very special guest, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, she's with us next week with the brand new book, Slips in Time and Space. I'm going to just simply rest up and get better. Yeah, you should do so that. So hopefully I will be back into my full form uh, next week. Until oh, then... So stop talking. Until then, I'm Scott Colborn, Walking Beauty.